Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson. I'm the managing editor of Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to episode number 150 in our series. Tonight's topic will be writing and publishing educational books with special guest Ariane McHugh. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight we are on the line with Ariane McHugh, who is the president and co-owner of Saddleback Educational Publishing. She earned her bachelor's degree at San Diego State University. Previous to publishing, she was Director of Clientele Development for Bloomingdale's, assisting in the planning, training, and complete operations for their California flagship store. She created a mom's blog that received national attention from GM and Dr. Phil. Her extensive operations and creative background enabled her to revamp Settleback into the country's largest publisher of high-interest, low-readability material. Saddleback kicks off its 30th anniversary with 13 Young Adult Library Services Association, YALSA, Quick Picks for Reluctant Readers, for its series, Urban Underground. Saddleback publishes over a 1,000 titles, including urban fiction, high-low chapter books, nonfiction, graphic novels, interactive smart board lessons, low-level supplemental curriculum, and much more. Good evening, Ariane. Good evening. First of all, I think before we go any further, because we're talking about educational books, I really would like you to explain what is educational publishing. I think a lot of people think that educational publishing just means curriculum, textbooks, workbooks, activity books. But in essence, educational publishing simply means that the materials are going to be used in a classroom setting. So it can be readers and fiction, just the same type of books you would find in a library, but because they're in a classroom, um, maybe the content would be a little bit different. So it does encompass more than just curriculum. Uh, so what you're talking about is probably uh, reading material, let's say, if they're studying a particular uh, country or a culture, then they would probably read a book about a specific culture. Is that it? Is that what educational publishing is? It definitely would include that, but it Mm -hmm. also could be any kind of reader that would just be in a classroom library. So there are every genre that you can imagine, as in uh, a public library, would exist in a classroom library. It's just um, probably a little bit tamer subject matter. So it doesn't necessarily mean that there are courses to correspond with these books. This could be just uh, recreational reading for the students also. Is that right? Exactly. Ah, okay. And uh, gosh, well, then that really covers the big genre. So, so then I'm I'm confused because you're talking about classroom, and so this is particularly materials that go into a classroom rather into the school library. It can be both in a in a school setting, classroom setting, used with students. So, I I think educational publishing has such a wide reach. I just think that when most people think of the term educational, they're assuming it's some kind of curriculum as opposed to reading material. And it really is both. Great. Um, Let's talk a little bit about um, tailoring the materials for the different reading levels. If I'm 
an author producing, I don't know, a book on horses, would I create three or four different versions for different reading levels, or how does that enter into the equation? It really depends on if if you're an author creating work, who you're working for. If you're going to be pitching the product and it's not actually assigned to a specific publisher yet, or if it is contracted work, what the publisher is asking for. I mean, the levels depend on the demographic. I mean, we are a high-low publisher, so we're developing product for young adults that's written at low reading levels. So we have material going into, let's say, a high school setting uh, for students that are reading at a first-grade reading level, whereas other publishers in educational publishing would perhaps publish at level. So a fifth-grade book on horses would be uh, at a fifth grade reading level, and that would be considered at level. So again, it just depends on whether it's contracted work or not and what the demographic is that you're writing for. Great. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the major differences. Uh, if I'm a author working on uh, children's books for educational market versus uh, general trade markets. Okay. Well, when you're working with educational in the educational market, it's important to know the target demographic because in the trade, anything goes. You really can put a book out there and somebody that will find it and there's there's something for everybody. When you're working in education, you have to be really, really weary of content and writing the to the demographic and the grade and making sure that the content matches. So you wouldn't put a book... Um, about ladybugs into a high school classroom. You really want to make sure that you know who you're writing for so that it will be picked up and read, or if it's curriculum, that it will be used adequately. So it's it's really important. Covers are also important, so picking the right covers so that the right demographic will pick it up. And again, in the trade, there are so many different places for books to find themselves. But in the classroom, you have the student, the teacher, the principal, so many people looking at it, it has to be what they would consider appropriate. And I think so many people have a different appropriate, uh, a different way of, of viewing something appropriately. So what I might think is appropriate may not be appropriate to someone else. You have to be very careful. Absolutely. Um, so if, I, if I'm an author and I'm looking at uh, pitching to an educational publisher like Saddleback, uh, what kind of things would I say that would make you understand that I knew I was talking about? Well, when pitching to a publisher in any industry, I think you have to do your homework. Know who you're pitching to. There is nothing uh, more frustrating than getting pitched um, by somebody that has no idea who you are and what you'd be interested in. So it's important to really do your homework, find out a little bit about the company, what have they done well with in the past? Because odds are if they've done well with it, they're probably looking to publish more of the same genre. Um, if, have they won awards? Have they, you know, they, do they typically publish all nonfiction? If so, I wouldn't pitch them a, a book on fic a fictional book. I really wouldn't. And, you know, I get pitched all the time elementary material when we do not publish elementary material and never have in 30 years. And, you know, it's frustrating for a publisher. You get a lot of solicitation, and it's nice when somebody really does know what you do, what you're good at, and pitches you something that could be of interest. And I think, you know, a lot of authors come up with really great material that maybe is a little bit of a stretch, 
get your foot in the door first with something that's really adequate and appropriate for that publisher because odds are if you develop a rapport with them, they'll be more open to listening to your ideas in the future. You had uh, just uh, briefly mentioned the covers, the importance of covers. Well, let's just talk a little bit more about that. So uh, how do you choose the covers? And covers are one of the most important things that we do as a publisher because we all judge a book by its cover, as silly as yes. it sounds. But it's, you know, whoever the demographic is, whether it's children or adults, you look at that cover to determine whether you're going to pick it up and open it. So in determining a cover, you look first the demographic, who is going to be the reader. Is it going to be a teenage boy? Is it going to be a young girl? And know uh, what, would gra- what would grab them. Colors are important. Photographs are important. Just the general feeling. Um, everything down to the paper and texture, I think, is really important. There are just certain genres that should have specific covers. And um, if I'm going to write a book for boys, I'm probably not going to put a lot of pink and yellow and bright, you know, feminine colors on the cover. And it's just simply what, you know, what we would do. But I definitely think that covers are one of the most important one of the most important projects that we have here. I mean, the content can be incredible, but if the cover doesn't grab you, you'll never get to the content. I so agree with you, and I think I'm glad that you had mentioned that, and we're on the same page. So, how do you actually have kids involved, the reading, you know, the target audience that you, let's say, are going to publish this specific book to? Do you have the kids involved in suggesting what the cover should look like for that particular content, or do you just no. How does this work in the publishing industry? It works in so many different ways. We spend a lot of time out in the field looking at what books are doing well and analyzing why we think perhaps they're doing well. For instance, Twilight. I think that the covers of that series are so incredible and so simple, and it really shows how some, a simplistic cover can make you pick that up and draw you in and make you want to read it. Uh, we here, we tend to come up with a cover design idea and we will show it to demographics that we're going towards. So if it's teenagers, um, whether it's boys or girls, we do have a group that we go to and we show them varieties. And in many cases, we know what the design will be like, but it's a photograph. So the picture of the student or the the child on the cover, Uh you know, especially with urban fiction. We are not in an urban area, and so we don't know what those kids would look like and would like to see on the cover, and they like to see themselves. So we will find um, a focus group of, of urban teens and ask, you know, which girl do you think, you know, would be the cutest girl in this group, or which boy do you think is the toughest, and is the facial hair correct, or, the, you know, are the tattoos okay, and we get great feedback from, from the demographic themselves. I think it's so important to ask them because they will tell you. They sure will, and they're, they're the readers, after all. They're the ones that are going to be picking up the book. So I'm really glad to hear that that's how you do that. You, you talked about urban fiction. Just um, explain to our listening audience what you mean by urban fiction. Uh, urban fiction would be, you know, I, I said also teens like to see themselves on the cover. And for so many years, most of the books sort of looked the same, and we didn't see a lot of diversity on covers. And when I talk about urban fiction, I'm talking about African-American, Hispanic, being able to see covers and content about characters that are multicultural. So we're not just looking at Caucasian 
cheerleaders on covers, and the books are not just about high schools with a football team, but we're talking about settings where perhaps the teenagers can't even afford to do organized sports. So we want to see what are they doing. What you know, We know that they're active. We know they're participating in something. Maybe it's basketball down at the end of the street, but that's something that we would write about because it's real, and there's a huge portion of our society that live that way. So one of our, the biggest genres we write to is urban fiction for that reason. So a lot of those large cities and the pockets of them. Great. Yeah, I, I really like the, uh, the urban fiction covers. I've just been looking at them while, uh, while you were talking there, and they're really, uh, really direct and to the point. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, marketing books as sets. I see that from your site it's oriented towards selling books as a set, and I'm sure, you know, people in the education industry don't want to pick out and choose every single title. So I imagine that being able to buy sets is a big convenience. Uh, can you tell me some more about that? Sure. I, the reason we began to publish in sets was not really because of the ease of ordering, but simply because our demographic struggled with reading. And our feeling is if they find a book that they like, we want them to find another one quickly. So if they find themselves picking up a book in a series and they really enjoy the book, we want them to have something to go to quickly so that they don't lose their interest. We really are trying to encourage a lifelong love of reading, and it's hard to do if they can't find a book that they want to finish or read or that they can't successfully get through. You know, some of our books are only 200 words, and it's nice to have another book similar to it so you feel successful, and then you can read another and another and hopefully get yourself up to a higher page count, a more complex story. So that was our original purpose, and we continue to, to do that today. Now we have so many books under our belt that we do mix some of the books around and then offer sets, like you mentioned, to make it easy to order. Many of our customers like level-specific books, so they know that they have students that are all reading at the same level. Let's say they're all having trouble. They're reading between a first and second grade reading level. And it's not easy to find books that are mature content, level-specific books. So what we do is we grab from a bunch of different areas and put them into box sets. And that is exactly what you mentioned, just ease of ordering either genre-specific or level-specific books. Great. I see you've got a complete... Uh... Uh, media coverage, including ebooks and audiobooks. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how, if you can, that your market segments between those and do you get readers moving from one format to another? Or just, just give us an idea. We find that many of our customers purchase both the ebook and the physical book, and, and we're not really sure why, but we like that we've offered. Um, any kind of format that would make you read a book. And again, we go back to our demographic, which is a struggling reader. So some some struggling readers would never pick up a print book, but they might look at it on a reading device or a computer. Maybe that's because they're embarrassed that they're not reading at level. And on a reading device, you don't see a cover. You don't know what somebody's reading. It's a little bit more um, private. So I think that works really well. But as a company, we really do focus on many different formats, um, many different levels, really anything that will engage a reader. And with technology being so important today, you have to have some kind of technology built into your infrastructure. 
whether it's ebooks or interactive whiteboards, it's important to have that available because so many schools are moving in that direction. And I think we've seen a huge change in the last few years, and I know that it's not over. Um, and I know our ebook sales have definitely grown. Um, we've been involved in ebooks for a number of years now, but this last year it's just definitely has increased. So for us, it's really being able to offer what the customer wants and make sure that the reader has what makes them comfortable. Definitely. Um, let's go back a little bit to to talk about uh, authors and how they might uh, break in, and how how does an author stay up to date? Because youth culture frankly, it changes like every 18 months, right? It does. I think that it really does. Anything an author can do to keep up on the times is important. I think that, you know, watching TV, looking on, on different websites to see what awards, uh, what award winners there are, what what's getting people's attention today, um, any kind of books that have come from, any kind of movies that have come from books, typically spawn an interest in a specific genre. Um, I really do personally like to see award-winning books because I think it really speaks to the time of what's what's interesting right now. And there are a lot of teen awards out there and seeing what the teens are gravitating to. And it's, you know, again, that's also changed in the past few years and really been incredible to watch from Harry Potter to Twilight and really all of the different types of genres that have emerged because of it. And like I told you, urban fiction, which is huge with us, um, you know, one way of doing that is award winners. And I think also getting out there and going to trade shows. There are so many different trade shows across the country, whether it's regional to where you live or if you have to travel and go to an international show, they're, they're easy to get to because they happen all the time. Walking the trade show and seeing what the publishers are doing will show you what's popular because publishers are putting out there what they think is a genre that will do well. So just being familiar with that. It's pretty obvious today if you walk through any hall of any trade show what genres are, are hot. And there's a lot of dark, dismal covers out there and I know all the books coming in here that we're seeing are just um, real interesting and real dark, a lot darker than it was a few years ago. And that just shows you that's a genre that's doing well right now. So I think being, keeping relevant, reading, seeing what awards are out there, walking the trade shows, and um, I think that will just do worlds for keeping up on the times. Oh, I so agree. I um, On your site, and, of course, we're talking about that basically you publish for the young adult. So what age group is young adult as far as your publishing company is concerned? Grade 6 to 12. So you go by grades rather than age. We do. Wow. There's quite a difference between a child that's in grade 6 to one that's in grade 12, uh, not only in maturity but, you know, in what they can grasp. So I'm wondering how you... You know, that seems to me like a huge span. It's a huge span, and we, and not everything we do is okay for that entire span. But th- as a publisher, we publish that range. So we work on middle school projects, and we work on high school projects, what we call young adult. Okay. Um, young adult for us would be the 912, but we do publish um, for middle school as well. We do both, but it is a huge range, and obviously content would not be the same for that range. So we know we, we make it very clear on our website and in our catalogs, every grade level 
that it's appropriate for. And we, we call that grade level or interest level. And it's uh, very different than the actual reading level of the book. So let's talk about reading level because I notice on your website you do have the reading levels going from one to four. And so what is the difference between, let's say, a one and a four? The reading level would be a first grade reading level as opposed to a fourth grade reading level. So we would say um, if the grade level of the book, so the interest level would be ninth grade or young adult, it would be a, a high school book for a student that's reading as low as first grade. So we would do 1.0 as first grade reading level. I'm just having a hard time wrapping that in my mind because I'm thinking, how, how do you actually, as an author, write a story that is on the first grade reading level but yet has to have the maturity for a 16-year-old? It is incredibly difficult, and it's, it is not all the time uh, that we have books that low. We do have first grade reading level books, and there are not many people that can do that well. And you'll see that most of our material hovers in the third grade reading level. It's a little bit easier to write in the third to fourth grade reading level mature content. So I, I think that we've done a great job at working with authors at writing low, but we would never force it on somebody. It is either something they can do or they can't. And we can edit down, and we, and we do do that. We do edit down, but we would never edit someone all the way down to 1.0. They would have to really start there, and it's, it's a gift. I mean, it really isn't for everybody, and I would never force some, that on somebody. It's just something that is easy for them or not. Mm-hmm. I can well imagine. Uh, and, you know, uh, as a book reviewer, we have sort of the opposite. We have parents that want their kids, let's say that they're five years old, and but their reading level is maybe of a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so we're finding quite the opposite because, you know, what's written for a 16-year-old, certainly a five-year-old cannot, you know, or shouldn't be reading because a lot of it is just not good content for a five-year-old. So in the reviews section, we, we have sort of the opposite. And while I'm talking about reviews, I, uh, we have done some reviews for you, and uh, the kids love the book. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are as to getting kids to review the books as opposed to adults. I think it's the best thing you can do. There's nothing like putting a book in the hand of, of the person that's going to be reading it, the demographic itself. And Kids are honest and oh they'll tell you like it is. And, <laughs> and, and as a publisher, we want to hear the feedback. We want to know what they what they like, what they don't like, what are they connecting to, what is not on on par, because it will only help us get better. But it is also a double-edged sword because kids don't understand reading level. And like you mentioned, there are so many kids out there also that are reading above level. Mm-hmm. And if, if a child that is reading above level, gets one of our books and doesn't understand why we have controlled vocabulary and short, structured sentences, typically they, you know, they may give us a, a negative review because right. they don't understand that that's, it's not really intended for them. But if we've, done, if we've done a good job and we've written the book well, hopefully they don't realize that it is a lower level book. Hopefully it is such a great story that they've forgotten about the short, Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're really able to accomplish that from what I understand from my reviewers. So do you actually have kids read the manuscript before the book goes into publication? We don't have kids read the manuscript. 
No. I read the manuscript myself, and I have an editorial director, and we make all major decisions on published product. I wouldn't give a kid a book until we have it edited. I mean, there, sometimes there's just inappropriate things in manuscripts, and we, we really do. We're a classroom company. We take all content and make it classroom friendly, so we, we really make everything very tame and very appropriate. So there's typically a lot of detail that we have to remove that's not appropriate with a lot of our books, especially with our urban fiction. The authors, you know, don't don't always understand what would be considered appropriate or not. So we we tend to wait before we share them. Great. Let's talk a little bit about uh, distribution and wholesale. I mean, I know there's specialized uh, wholesalers that that deal directly with the education market. And uh, what more can you tell us about that? Well, we we do sell our books through major wholesalers, and in our industry, there are probably five large wholesalers, and then you know maybe a hundred that are a lot smaller, and um, you know that's something that we've been doing for a very long time and are very successful at it. And it's nice to have relationships with wholesalers because they are also reviewers, and they will they're a great benchmark to know if someone's doing well with something. Um, they'll tell you what genres they're doing well with, and it helps us and guides us a little bit, too, on content and what they're looking for. So it's it's been very successful for us uh, in general. Right. I'm sure they're uh, they're just anxious to, to find out what's coming up next on your front list by this point. <laughs> It's definitely fun to share with them. We we do we as we're planning, we do like to meet with the wholesalers and find out um, before we are even to print, you know, what their thoughts are on our ideas, and it's it's great getting suggestions and feedback from them. Cool. Uh, let's talk a little bit about marketing. Uh, I'm guessing you have uh, e-newsletters that go out to librarians and school administrators and teachers, or what are the different market segments, and how do you get a hold of them? We market in two ways. We market direct to consumer, and our consumer is a classroom. So we're marketing right to a classroom teacher, and that's really the bread and butter of our business and what we've done for 30 years. So we send out over a million catalogs a year right into the classroom, right to the teacher. We also market to wholesalers. So while we're sending it to the classroom, our print catalog, we market to wholesalers who have representatives out in the field, who have their own catalogs and their own distribution channels. So we do both. Uh, we don't market directly to libraries, but our books do find their way to librarians through our wholesalers, and we really strongly support them. So we may even exhibit at librarian trade shows or do webinars with them because we're supporting our, our wholesale partners. Great. Let's talk about uh, book awards. I mean, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of book awards out there. And how do you pick and choose the ones that provide real value and uh, get recognition? Well, we look at the books that have won the awards, and and really that speaks volumes. Um, it's it's slightly frustrating to us. We're a small publisher, and a lot of the awards go to major publishing houses, and small publishers don't always get recognized, um, but I think that just knowing the history of the organization, looking at the books that have won the awards in the past, and really just doing our homework and making sure that we respect the organization, and I think that's a lot of it. You know, we 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 do put our books up for awards with organizations that we that we respect, and 
we don't with the one with the organizations that we don't respect or don't think that perhaps that they're reviewing adequately. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how we do it. Yep, that that would be the ideal way to go. I'm wondering a little bit about uh, like the children who have English as a second language. Are you do you have books that are are tailored that way, or do they just naturally fit into that? area books, as well? Yeah, our books naturally fit into that area because they're what what is called high-low, high-interest, low-readability books, meant for an older student but written at low levels. They're excellent for, you know, ESL or ELL uh, students or children just because of the simplicity. They, they really do find their way into that market quite often. I um, was... As you were talking to Victor, I was looking at your website. It's just a very interesting website. Is there anything that you don't publish? I mean, you're, you know, it's language arts, life skills, math, reading, reference, science, social studies. I mean, is there anything that you don't? We don't publish for elementary grades, so we don't publish for young readers. There are so many publishers that do that, and we really early on felt that it would be most useful for everybody if we had you know, just stuck to this niche that, that we had started with. Um, and we've really never wavered from that. You know, we, I don't know if you know the statistic, but 70% of eighth grade students in the U.S. are not proficient in reading, and most will never catch up. And we really look at that statistic and think, what can we do to help? So I feel that staying away from elementary material is, is important to us. We We are, at heart, a language arts company. We always have been. We do dabble in all subject areas because it's important to offer a high-low solution everywhere. We don't want our student that struggles with reading to not be able to do their history homework simply because their reading level is not up to par. So we do publish, you know, history material that's written at a fourth grade reading level for those students. So we really have tried to be thoughtful about our approach to both curriculum and readers. Um, but I, but I'm trying to think if there's anything we don't do. We've really done a little bit of everything. We we don't do a ton um, in test prep. We don't do a ton in history, but we do offer enough so that there's something. Incredible. So, Ariane, what is the one thing that you get asked all the time? How do I get a book published? <laughs> at, least, at least once a day. Why should at I be surprised? I know. I know. How do I get a book published? And I think that I really think that many people believe that just getting a book printed means you've sold a book. And it's, you know, maybe a little bit eye-opening for people to hear that just getting it published doesn't really do anything for sales. You need marketing. You need so many things. And so that is definitely the number one question I get asked, and it's hard for me to answer it because it's, it really depends on what it is that you've written and what what it is that you, what your goals are. But getting published is definitely not the end all be all. I think um, you have to do a lot of homework on your own and a lot of self marketing and really work the grassroots campaign to get yourself known before you can have the next twilight. Well said. Well said. Your website address: www.sdlback.com. Good. Thank you very much. This has been really enlightening for me because we've uh, never had anybody in this particular topic talking to us, and you've just given me an insight on a lot of things that I did not know. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, this has been great. And this has been another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is 
AuthorsAccess.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, Author Blogging, Tips on Why and How, with special guest Kathy Stucker. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at AuthorsAccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, saying good night. And I'm Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.